So I'm going to read from Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 9. And this is what it says. The Lord had said to Abram, go from your country, your people and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you. I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went as the Lord had told him and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he was sent out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan and they arrived there. Abram traveled through the land as far as the sites of the great tree of Morah at Sechem. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. The Lord appeared to Abram and said, to your offspring, I will give this land. So he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. From there, he went on towards the hills east of Bethel and pitched his tents with Bethel on the west and I on the east. There he built an altar to the Lord and called on the name of the Lord. Then Abram set out and continued towards the Negev. Luke, I invite you to come and I'll pray as you share with us. Father God, we thank you for your word this morning. And I just pray now that your Holy Spirit would empower Luke to share what he's prepared. And I pray for each of us that you would still our hearts and give us the concentration to hear your still small voice this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Can you hear me? Good. Great to see you this morning as we start this new sermon series off together. And I don't know about you, but at the start of any new year, I'm always filled with optimism for what is ahead. I'm full of plans. I'm full of ideas about where I think I'm going to go and what things are going to look like. And I'm sure you're the same. We're full of hopes and dreams about what 2023 might look like. At the very least, we hope that the new year is going to be better than the last year. But the reality is with any given year and with any given plan, there are always curveballs which are thrown our way. There are always hurts and disappointments which crop up along the way. There are always unexpected blessings which crop up too. And we didn't see them coming. It's always great, isn't it, when our plans work out. But even when... We get the destination right where we are called to go. The route that we are called to take often is very rarely a linear route. In May, I would have been here in this church for four years. I remember sitting in the Weatherspoons in Honiton in 2018 with Carl Smethurst saying, I believe that it's time that God is calling me on to something new and to a new adventure. And Carl said to me, well, it's funny you should say that because I've got a church in mind for you. And there, my journey with Hope Baptist Church started. 
And I remember arriving here in 2019 full of hope and expectation about what the future was going to look like. And to be honest, barring one or two minor hiccups along the way, the first 10 months of my time here seemed to go really well. We were growing as a church, we employed new staff, everyone appeared to be together. And then March 2020 came around and COVID hit. The church couldn't meet together. It felt fractious at times, a little bit disjointed. Maybe even at times, it felt like things were beginning to fall apart. And on more than one occasion, I can remember crying out to God during that period and saying, God, why did you move me from a place where it seemed like everything was going well and everything was in good order to a place which, quite frankly, feels like chaos? Why have you brought me to this place for this time. The truth is, the past few years for all of us have been quite a journey. And in so many ways, for us as a church, I believe 2022 felt like a bit of a year of healing, a bit of a year of recovery, where we began to come back together, where we began to laugh together again and cry together, where we enjoyed worshipping God together in person once again. And I have to say, stood here today, I've never been as optimistic about what the future looks like for hope as I am now. I really believe that there's a bright future ahead for us as a church. I really believe that over the course of 2023, we're going to see God move mightily. And to help us to begin to discern what that looks like, we're going to be focusing on our journey together over the course of the next few months, looking back to where we've been, looking at where we are now, and looking together where we might be going as a church. And we're going to be doing that in a number of different ways together, and I'll be telling you more about that over the course of the coming weeks. But what that means for us on a Sunday perspective is we're going to be focusing together on some significant journeys in the Bible and looking at how the God of the journey aids us, helps us, and guides us along the way. And as we kick off this sermon series together this morning, my question for each and every one of us today is simple. Where are you at on the journey at the moment? What does the journey look like for you at the moment? Is the road smooth? Are you walking closely with the Lord and actually you're experiencing a time of blessing at the moment and a time of settledness? Is the road a little bit rocky for you right now? There seems to be a lot of bumps and diversions and unexpected things thrown along the way that you didn't see coming. Are you walking along a road right now and you simply feel a little bit lost and in a bit of disarray and have little sense of direction? My prayer for all of us is that wherever we are at, however the journey looks for us on an individual level, that this will be a year where we allow God to guide us like never before. And to help us to consider that, I want to focus on a remarkable man of faith in Scripture. A man who is described in Hebrews chapter 11 in the Hall of Faith. A man who the Bible simply tells us believed God and it was accredited to him as righteousness. This man, Abraham. So we had some trouble going from Abraham to Abraham in this in the reading. I'm just going to switch between the two. So if I say Abraham or Abraham, you know who I mean. There were two events in the life of Abraham which bear testimony and witness to such great 
faith. One is found in Genesis chapter 22. Abraham was a man who was promised a child who was going to ultimately bless the world and he was going to become a great nation. And he was desperate for this child, so desperate that he would go to any lengths on his own to try to make this happen. Eventually, the child of promise comes along, and what happens? God says to him, I want you to sacrifice him. So Abraham does. He's willing to. He takes him up, willing to give the one that he loves up, only for God to step in at the last minute and provide a lamb. But before that great event, Abraham was already proving that he trusted God's. With the account that we've heard read to us together today in Genesis chapter 12. You see, in this moment, God calls Abraham to leave everything that he ever knew to start an adventure that he actually couldn't comprehend. And as a result, not only his world, but the whole world was going to be changed. And what did the roadmap look like for Abraham? Two commands leave your country and be a blessing. You see, what God gives to Abraham in that moment are specifics to obey, but promises to believe. Abraham, if you're willing to go forth, if you're willing to leave your country and simply follow me, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and I will bless those you bless and curse those you curse. And I'm sure at the start of this journey for Abraham, He would have wanted a little bit more information. God, where am I going? How will I get there? How will I survive? How on earth am I going to pay for this? But the fact of the matter is, God offered Abraham none of those reassurances, apart from some specifics to obey and some broad promises to believe. And let's face it, Abraham had every reason not to believe. Abraham at the time of this call was 75 years old, which if nothing else, for the older generation who are among us today and are watching online, I hope that gives you some encouragement because let me tell you something today. God is not finished with you. God called Abraham at the age of 75. There's no retirement age in the kingdom of God. God's plans and his purposes for you, no matter what your age are still relevant, valid, and God wants to use you. God is not done. Abraham was 75 years old, and he was actually promised no inheritance whatsoever. Acts chapter 7 and verse 5 tells us this. He gave him no inheritance, not even the ground to set his foot on. But God promised him that he and his descendants after him would possess the land even though at the time Abraham had no child. Abraham, being a man that was 75 years old and had no child, meant there were some issues. You don't need to be a biologist to work out that the older you advance in life, the less your body begins to work as you would like it to. And let's face it, all the promises for Abraham here in this particular passage hinged on the fact that he had to have a child. You can't be a great nation unless you have some descendants. But furthermore, God also promised Abraham that there was going to be trouble along the way. 
Acts chapter 7 and verse 6 tells us this. God spoke to him in this way. For 400 years, your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own, and they will be enslaved and mistreated. What an adventure Abraham is being called on here. Abraham, leave everything behind that you know and come on a journey with me. Biology says that it's not possible. At the end of it, it might not look like you have that much. And oh, by the way, Abraham, there's going to be trouble and hard times along the way. But Abraham, if you trust me, if you only trust and obey, this is going to bless the entire world. What did it look like for Abraham to trust and obey God in practice? Well, let's come back to the original command that we see in Genesis chapter 12 and verse 1, where it says, The Lord said to Abraham, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land that I will show you. Three things Abraham was called to leave behind. First and foremost, he was called to go from his country. In other words, if he was going to follow the call of God on his life, then God would have to take priority over his culture. Which is a really interesting concept in the world that we live in, isn't it? We live in a world where tolerance is king, where truth is relative and everyone is the master of their own destiny. If it feels good and if it feels right, then it's okay. But actually, the call of God on our lives is to be a people who separate ourselves from worldly values and seek the one who says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Ephesians 4.22 says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. Ephesians 5 verse 8 says, For you were once in darkness, but now are Light in the Lord. Live, therefore, as children of light. As those who follow Christ, we're called to be people who were countercultural. And at times, that will hurt. Jesus, in fact, said this in John 15, verse 18 If the world hates you, understand that it hated me first. If you were of the world, It would love you as its own. Instead, the world hates you because you are not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. I wonder for each of us at the start of this year, where God is calling us to lay down some of our own ideas and our own prejudices and seek the truth of Jesus. What values might we be holding on to which are contrary to the word of God's? Where do we need to submit this year to his authority? The second thing that Abraham is called to do is to go from his relatives, to leave his people. You see, if Abraham was going to follow the call of God on his life, it meant placing the call of God above his own family. Jesus said in Matthew 10 and verse 37, anyone who loves his father and mother more than he loves me is not worthy of me. For many of us, let's face it, family is the most important thing in our lives, and rightly so. But to really see the blessing of God in our lives, the call is to place God's call above our family ties, our family wants, 
and our family desires. And at times that can be painful. I know that for myself. Not coming from a Christian family, when I came to know Jesus, my parents did not understand what was going on. On more than one occasion, my mum would say to me, Luke, you have been brainwashed. My dad wanted nothing to do with religion or any talk of religion. I remember as a teenager, in fact, taking my younger brother along to church with me one Sunday morning. My mum had given me permission to do this. My dad was out of town. He was away somewhere and wasn't about. I brought my little brother along to my church service, and he loved it, absolutely loved it, wanted to come back next week. Then my dad found out that I'd taken my little brother along to church with me that week. My brother's my half-brother. We've got the same mum, different dad. So when I referred to my dad, I'm talking about my stepdad. He came back and he found out that I took my brother along to church, and he went ballistic, absolutely ballistic, Banned me from ever taking my brother along to church again. And the sad thing is, to this day, my brother's 28 years old now. To this day, he's never stepped foot into a church again for a normal, regular church service. Because my dad wanted nothing to do with religion. And my mum died when I was 22 years old. And for several years after that, my dad, who is an atheist, blamed God for the death of my mum. Now, the problem when you're an atheist in blaming God for the death of someone is you can't see a God that you don't believe in, but you can see someone who works for the church. So my dad cut me off, wanted nothing to do with me, wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't have anything whatsoever to do with me. And let me tell you something, it hurt. I would try and try knowing that I was going to get knocked back and hurt every time I tried. I wrote him letters. I'd go to family functions and we'd be in the same room and I'd walk up to him and I'd say hello to him and he'd look right through me and then walk past and walk away. You see, it hurts. And for me, there were times when I could have said, stuff this. I don't really believe it. It's not worth it. I just want an easy life. I just want to make people happy. I just want to make sure my family are okay. But let me tell you something. From my own experience, nothing better than following Jesus. Doesn't matter how much you get hurt along the way. Doesn't matter how much it's painful. I can honestly say still, despite those moments in my life, the choice to follow Jesus is still the best decision that I have ever made. He is the one who has blessed me abundantly. You see, the call of God on our life at times can look really uncertain. On our own, sometimes we don't know how it's going to work out. It may even appear at times to bring hardship to us. But like Abraham, when we make a conscious decision and we choose to go forth and obey, God blesses abundantly. Which brings me to the third command that we see in the first verse of this particular passage. Abraham was told to go forth from his country, go forth from his people, and go forth from his father's household. But Abraham, following God on this particular journey, meant laying aside the financial security of his father's household. You see, it was in his father's household that the inheritance that he was due would have been found. It was in his father's household that ultimately an easy life would have been promised. But Abraham was being called to a land that he didn't know, and now not knowing how he was going to fund it either. You know, when it comes to the call of God on our life, 
so often we restrict what might happen and what could happen because we're worried about finance. We're not generous because we get consumed of how we might pay the bills. We don't give to God maybe as we should because we want to make sure we keep the trappings of our comfortable lifestyle. At church, we might not step out in faith because we're worried about the bank balance and what it says and how we're going to afford it. But where God guides, he provides. The Bible tells us that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. The Bible tells us that he supplies all of our needs according to his riches in glory. And if that is true, if we genuinely believe that, Why should a bank balance ever influence what we're called to do in Jesus' name? I'm not suggesting that we should be a people who are reckless. Of course, we should be a people who count up the cost. But the call of Abraham's life here is simple. Be brave, even when you don't see the outcome. You know, we can look at the life of Abraham And we can look at his call. Indeed, we could look at any call to obedience in the Christian life. And we can look at it and come to the conclusion that God is obviously testing them to see how committed we are when God calls. But the reality is, that's not the reason that God calls us to obedience. God doesn't call us to obedience simply to test our commitment. Rather, he calls us to obedience to fulfill the purposes in our life and to make us the people that we were ultimately created to be. Abraham was called to leave everything that he knew and go to a new land. He was called to leave it all behind and place God above his culture, above his family and above his finance. He could have enjoyed the trappings of the lands where he lived the family home, and everything that went alongside that. But God had something better for him. In many respects, the call for us is simple. We're the other side, generally, of the COVID pandemic now, and we could quite easily settle for what we've got. We're back together, we can enjoy one another's company, enjoy fellowship, and we can just carry on as we always have. And if we do that, we'll have a nice time together for a while. But I believe that God is calling us to so much more than that. So the question is simple. In 2023, are we, as the people of God gathered here together, are we willing to place God above it all? Are we willing to place God above our culture? Are we willing to be people who speak the truth in love? Are we willing to place God above our families, our hopes and our dreams and our desires for what that might look like and say, God, I am submitting myself to your will and your ways above it all? Are we willing to place God above our finances, being willing to be a people who are generous, not hampered or hindered by the assets we have or we do not have? Are we willing to be brave and take godly risks even when we're not too sure of the outcome? Are we willing to adventure together this year? Abraham was given specifics to obey, leave your country, and promises to believe. I'm going to bless you. The blessing was conditional on his obedience. And Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham's life and his testimony provide us a powerful and a clear example of what a life of faith that God calls us to looks like. Abraham's journey shows that what it means to really trust God. But 
actually neither him nor anyone else has ever done this perfectly apart from Jesus. You don't have to go too far into Abraham's story to see that he messed up. He pretended his wife was his sister to make sure he didn't get killed. He knew God had promised him a son, but he couldn't wait. So he takes matters into his own hands and sleeps with his concubine. But despite those mess-ups, despite those mishaps, we see a man whose faith is so strong that the Bible simply refers to him in Galatians chapter 3 and verse 9 as the man of faith. And what Abraham's life teaches us is that faith is always demonstrated through obedience. This year, church, I want us to dream big. I want us to adventure together. I want us to dream so big that as a church, we get to the point where we say, do you know what? Unless God comes through for us with this, it's all going to fail. It's all going to fall down. We need God and we need the power of the Holy Spirit in us to see him move. We might not have all the resources on paper right now, but we believe in a God who is going to provide. I don't want to settle for the status quo. I don't want us to be a mediocre church. And I hope and I pray that this year will continue to be a year for us building, building up a vibrant community of God here in this place, rooted in faith. Believers who are willing to step out in faith, no matter what the cost. The journey that we've been on together up until this point has been tough. The road that we've traveled has brought its difficulties. And you know what? The road that we will travel probably will bring its difficulties too. And the truth is that as we stand on the edge of another year, hopefully filled with hope for the future, I don't know how this is going to pan out and what we're going to be looking like together this time next year. But I believe that if we place God over our culture, if we are not worried about how people view us, if we don't allow our dreams to be restricted by material possessions, if we're willing to go even when we don't quite understand, then blessing awaits. I wonder where God is calling you to be brave this year. I wonder where God is calling us to be brave this year. Stephen Ferg put it like this. Great moves of God are usually preceded by small acts of obedience. Where this year is God calling you to be obedient, to trust him, Above it all, to take godly risks in Jesus' name. Church, I truly believe that the call of God this year for us is a call to adventure. And the big question is, are we up for it?